0: This week on the Recruitment Flex, this week's episode feels like 2012. With career builders launching pay per resume, we finalize the debate on cover letters. Plus, employers and candidates are tired of being ghosted. TRF with my dad and Shelly starts off with this message from Van Hey, Shelly, do you remember the days of being in corporate talent acquisition? Oh, absolutely.
1: Every time the phone rang, it was another staffing agency claiming to be innovative and
0: different. I used to wonder when someone would truly elevate the industry.
1: Well, hold on to your hat here, because that's exactly what VanHack has done.
0: Shelley, picture this. A closed community of pre-verified tech talent ready to relocate to Canada with all the paperwork taken care of. Sounds too good to be true?
1: Well, not anymore. Band Hack has made it a reality. They have built the community of skilled software developers eager to make the move, and they handle the entire immigration process.
0: And that's not all. They're taking it up a notch. Companies with offshore development teams listen up. Van Hacks introducing the Canadian Engineering Office. Move your entire dev team to Canada, and Van Hack handles all the nitty gritty details of immigration and relocation. So
1: can you imagine, Serge, the applause from your CIO if you were to walk into his office and bring this solution to the table?
0: Shelley, every time I walk into an office, I get applause, but that's not all. <laughs> The best part is they've got certified immigration consultants on board who've done this countless times. They understand that every family situation is unique. Revolutionize the way you recruit, relocate and retain talent because when it comes to innovation in the talent acquisition world, VanHack is leading the charge.
1: Get ready to be the hero of your company. Check out VanHack.com today.
0: Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge.
1: And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now.
0: Bonjour and welcome to the Recruitment Flex. Shelly, it's good to see you again. I haven't seen you since last Friday.
1: Did you feel weird about Friday night?
0: No. At all? Why, like, that why wasn't would a I date, right? A date? Shelly, I don't know if you know, but I'm happily married. Well, I'm just saying if anybody spotted us,
1: it wasn't a date.
0: So what did you think of Taylor Tomlinson? Did you like to Um, stand up back?
1: I did. I did. I think she's got a platform, you know, that can you have it all? So really good theme of our tour, because that is what she talked a lot about, right, is just being grateful for Her success, but it came at a cost, a big cost. Yes.
0: Yeah. So for people that don't know, Taylor Tomlinson is a stand-up comedian. I think she has two or three Netflix specials. Anyway, she came to Calgary and a close friend of Shelly offered us some tickets. So I'm like, I'll never say no to any stand-up comedian. Mm. We went, we had a great time. The opener was really good. I thought she was really funny. Yeah, I I had a great time with Taylor, but was she a stand-up act that I would usually go see? Yeah, I I wouldn't say it's like one of my favorite stand-up acts, because I just couldn't relate. Basically, it's Uh, women that's going through a lot of dating and trying to figure out what the right dating app that she should use. And I couldn't really relate. Right. But judging by the audience, it was a mixture of 25 to 40 year old women was the target audience that it was filled. And I think they quite enjoyed it. So it it was a really good crowd overall. So it was a good show. I enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, it was. I enjoyed it too. It was fun. And you're right, so the David, opener was good.
0: David, thank you for inviting us.
1: Yes, that was very nice. We were guests of Medium, which is our marketing mm-hmm. company. Serge, I wanted to point something out. In In the research for the show, I found there's what I consider generally reliable source, Unleash, which Unleash is an event company that holds HR technology and HR conferences around the world. It's a fairly sizable organization. And so when they publish articles, I do tend to read them. And when the Harvard Business Review publishes something in conjunction with them, I'm going to read it. So I caught this headline that said, Harvard Business Review warns of tepid efficiency with just 28% of companies surveyed using AI in recruitment successfully. So I'm like, 28% of companies surveyed are successfully using AI? I got to know more. So I read cover to cover the entire study. And the Harvard Business Review, there's a reason that they're quoted, but who wants to sit and read it? I couldn't find any evidence in this article. Like, where did they come up with basically a third of corporations surveyed are using AI successfully in recruitment? So I wrote, over to the author. And I'm like, her name's Alexandra. Hey, Ali, your headline says this. And you know, where is it? Like, I couldn't find it. So she comes back and she says, Oh, gosh, you're right. That headline is really misleading. So they changed it. The reason I share it is I think a lot of people just read headlines. And this would be a cautionary tale. Like it was false and misleading. And she admitted it and they fixed it right away. So Bravo to them.
0: That is yeah, so I didn't sense. read the article, so I don't know where the 28% came from. But as we're talking in the green room, authors never write their own headlines. So, anyone writing for a newspaper, or magazine articles, the headlines are usually chosen by the editor, which is a common practice. Mm-hmm. So, maybe she didn't even know. I don't know who wrote the headline and why they came up with 28% because first of all 28% using it successfully is funny because we know that number is not even accurate there's not 28% of companies using AI in general in our space unless mm-hmm. you count writing one post with chat gpt a, a consideration yeah. of leveraging ai so 28% using successfully I don't know where that number Couldn't came be up sure. Yeah. yeah, good for her to fix the issue. And like you said, headlines are always misleading. We live in a world of clickbait mm-hmm. where everything is driven to click on the article. But Shelley, oh, okay. I want to jump into the news. Recently, Immigration Minister Mark Miller was talking about the concerns about skyrocketing numbers of international students entering Canada Just to give you an idea right now, we are on track to host 900,000 international students this year. Only 10 years ago, on average, we were hosting around 300,000. So we've tripled it. Some of the concerns that are coming up are, well, we don't have enough housing. So we have all these students. They're coming in. We don't have housing for them. We don't have housing for new Canadians coming in from irregular immigration programs. And just digging a little bit deeper, there is some concerns about illegitimate actors that are exploiting the system. A couple of suggestions that have come up, but the universities are very strongly against it, is putting a cap on how many international students that we can have. I am not surprised that the institutions are balking at this because I think we both understand, Shelly, that the majority of the revenue that they get are from international students. We've talked a lot about immigration. We're big fans of it. We do believe that we need to bring in a lot of new Canadians mm-hmm. to meet the demands that we will have in our workforce coming up. But are we approaching it the right way? Are we causing more challenges than actual solutions? What's your overall thoughts here, Shelly? I totally understand
1: why major universities would be opposed to a cap. And they also quoted the National Association of Career Colleges. I believe the concern outside of housing, because yes, housing is a concern. The career colleges, though, is intended for just that, to find a job. Different than a university where you're coming here to get an education and maybe not necessarily a job. I think the concern here, if you remember last summer when Fairmont Hotels got raided by Immigration Canada for having temporary foreign workers without valid work permits? Yeah, I think the concern is about these bad actor organizations who are going to these foreign countries, charging people a ton of money to come to Canada to take a class at this career college. Under the guise that they can then work, because if you remember, earlier in the year, there were changes made to the work permits associated with students. So previously, students were restricted to a certain number of hours, and they changed that. When we start layering in these changes, I think the real concern here is a duplicate of these bad actors who brought in All these temporary foreign workers, remember, they ran an ad on Facebook saying, working vacation in Canada, where they pay your accommodation, which is the case if you're working in Jasper for any of the Fairmont hotels, right? They do have employee housing. However, getting in the country thinking you've got a paid vacation is what the people were thinking when they Mm. took this opportunity. It's not going to turn out well for those people who have paid thousands of dollars to go to a career college, enter Canada on a student visa, and realize, oh, this is not legit.
0: How do we fix it, Shelley? What steps do we take? Because this is going to become a major issue if it's not already. And I think we're all on the same page that immigration is critical. But also, there is a political side to it that as people that have been in Canada for a long time can't find jobs or are competing, and then cost of housing is rising dramatically in every market because of a large influx of people coming in, how do we fix this short term and long term?
1: So I believe a tighter restriction on the definition of career college. Yeah. Less concerned if you have met the requirements for university entrance academically, that is in itself part of the qualifying process. And so, in order to be part of the National Association of Career Colleges, it needs to be a legitimate career college, meaning, what is it that they're teaching? And I remember earlier in the year when you attended the graduation ceremony. And you saw that those graduating from the program were 90% new Canadians and graduating with an HR degree or a tourism degree, which is great. But your question, again, remains, how does this fill the skill shortage or labor needs of Canada if their intention is to stay in the country?
0: Yeah, I guess that was surprising. And this is really legitimate. Like New Brunswick Community Mm -hmm. College is an institution that's been around forever. And I'm assuming they're part of this national associations of career colleges. But all the recruitment efforts are done overseas or done in other Mm -hmm. countries in most cases, because they can charge more is one of the aspects. And what happens after they have graduated? like the HR one really hit me hard, because I'm like, I know at least twenty recruiters in this time frame that are looking for a job. Do we need more recruiters? Do we need more HR folks? Is that the right approach, or is this just a way of people to sidestep the immigration process? It's a backdoor, right, into Canada, mm-hmm. and it's not fitting the needs that we actually do need. I would be strongly on side with a lot of these career colleges that are focused on trades. We need a ton Mm -hmm. of trades. But I start questioning (laughs) on (laughs) HR, admin type of degrees at these colleges. Do we need more of those?
1: Excellent point. So I think part of the solution would be to reward those that are part of career colleges that are graduating individuals in high-demand occupations, which we saw Immigration Canada announce earlier this year a whole list. I think there was like 60 different occupations that are in high demand. So should you come to Canada, graduate this program, you should automatically get a work permit to stay. Don't go back home. (laughs) And that's the incentive versus other programs. If they don't fall within those high-demand categories... Then, you know, when your student visa ends, you have to leave. That is very much the answer to bringing in young, educated, working age people. Like the German government does this really well, and so does the Australian government. They do it really Mm.
0: well. And I'm a big fan of our immigration system overall. Uh, Like Mm -hmm. anything, though, we can always make it better. And I think this is a good opportunity for us because, as we know, we're going to need a lot of immigration. Let's make the system work for everyone if we can.
1: I wanted to run something past you, Serge. There was like a press release last week, and I read it and I had to reread it and go back and read this again because I couldn't believe it. The CEO of Career Builder announces a game changer in the recruitment industry, something that is going to revolutionize recruitment. So he announces that Builder has an innovative solution set to revolutionize the recruitment industry. And it's called pay per resume, as in they're charging you to read resumes. I shit you not. This is true. This is a true story. <laughs> and I was well, like, who is this guy? What?
0: <laughs> so How- Jeff Furman is recently appointed new CEO after they sold off the broad bean steak. So when I first read it, Shelley, I was like, is this their answer to paper applicant? Because it, it wasn't clear. Oh, like, that's paper what I resume- thought at first too. <laughs> So I start digging into, and actually, what it is, it's basically access to the resume database, and you mm-hmm. only pay for the resumes that you actually leverage and you reach out to. Like if they came out and their answer was paper resume and it was to compete against Indie's paper applicant, I'm like, eh, I get that. Still, you're gonna get slaughtered. But this paper resume and the headline is paper resume is a game changer for the recruitment industry. Mr. Jeff Furman, I know you're new to this industry, but oof, we had that at Workopolis 13 years ago. And indeed, as launch paper resume and a very similar like with credits and mm-hmm. everything, it's got to be 10 years. It's like I was there. So I'm thinking it was 2016, 15. But Shelley, let's not even prance around the issue is Builder has been dead for a long time. And this new CEO is like, well, maybe we can get a couple of dollars here and there. Career Builder is completely what I call a job arbitrage company now. They buy and sell traffic. That's all they do. And I heard it's very profitable for them. They make around a million dollars a month in just buying and selling traffic across the internet. But aside from that, like we're months from someone acquiring and just like, Letting the brand go. I think the prediction at the start of the year was I think it said Zip would buy it, but I don't see that happening. I don't see talent buying it. Indeed might buy it at one point. So they have the domain, but Career Builder does not have a very lenty future, in my opinion.
1: Mm. Where did this guy, Jeff Furman, come from? I I don't know much about him. I just thought, oh my goodness, I felt embarrassed for them. Whoever is in their marketing and PR department needs to be fired.
0: Well, I think he's just like holding the fort here. So he started his career at Amex, always in real estate. He was the chief procurement officer and head of global real estate. Then he was the director of global real estate at Johnson Controls. Then he was the vice president of facilities and real estate at CareerBuilder. And from there... He got promoted to the chief executive officer. Basically, he was the last guy standing. There's no other reason. Oh He's God. keeping the lights on.
1: The facilities manager. Okay.
0: Oh. Well, oh, it's, it's, it's more sad. than a it's facility. Sad. You know, like
1: it, at one point, Career Builder was quite respectable. This is kind of a sad way to go.
0: Did you know CareerBuilder was the biggest job board in the world from 2009 to 2013? They overtook Monster in that time frame. CareerBuilder was the player for at least a couple of years. Then it's been a downward cycle ever since. I don't expect to hear a lot more from CareerBuilder, but I thought it was pretty funny. Like If this was a headline from 10 years ago, still would not have been revolutionary back then. Agreed. Let's talk about our friends at Indeed. So Indeed has launched what they call a, a Indeed Recruiter extension. It's a Google Chrome extension. And what it does, it provides access to all of Indeed's features for the hiring process. So basically, if you have the extension, you can access most of Indy's key features directly. It gives you a heads up if there's an interview coming up that you have booked through the platform. You can do messaging. Okay. You have access to save resume searches. You can schedule virtual interviews without actually going in to log into the system. It's right oh. on your dashboard in Google Chrome. One of the things that hit me, though, as I was reading... The Q&A on it, is where is the data housed? So anyone using an Indeed resume platform, all your data, at least in North America, is being held in the U.S. I know that's an issue for a lot of companies, especially when it comes to an ATS. That was the number one concern that came from IT departments. Our candidate data, where is it housed? And if it wasn't in Canada, we had to make sure we had the servers here. I would advise for a lot of people, if you don't want to lose your Indeed Talent platform, don't tell your CTO or CIO where the data is housed because they're going to freak out. Just a heads up.
1: <laughs> so to be clear, you're referring to the Indeed Hiring Platform.
0: Yeah. The Indeed Hiring Platform. Which what is, their, your,
1: applicant is yeah. their applicant tracking system. Yeah, Their
0: applicant tracking system, which is what this Chrome extension works off.
1: Yes. Not your ATS.
0: Yes. Not your ATS. Not your ATS.
1: Okay. Okay. Thank you. More to come on that. I think it's quite interesting. Good tool. Because I think that's part of the challenge is having to log into different parts of the system. Awesome. Tip of the week. Just a tip. (laughs) Okay. So when you hear that soundbite on chat and cheese, that is actually Serge's voice. (laughs) <laughs> he actually recorded that, and he made it royalty free <laughs> when he should have. He should have. I could be rich stuff. right now. I, know. I could be I rich. Know. You would be rich. Keeping on the theme of what we talked about just a minute ago, in terms of campus, now is the time that campus recruiting starts to heat up. Now I know most companies don't think about hitting campus until October, whether it's co-op or new grad hiring for next year. I'd put together several campus recruiting programs over the years, and I always hit campus at the end of August. And the argument was, well, students aren't yet looking. And I'm like, I don't know how that could be, because I believe if they're entering their fourth year, or they've been accepted into the co-op program, that's the whole reason they would be looking as early as September. And it also says something about students who are that focused and securing an opportunity before they finish school. So tip of the week is start now. If you have your campus opportunities, whether it's new grad or co-op, launch them in August. And you're that much further ahead of your competition who usually don't really start coming on campus until six weeks later.
0: The worst thing about recruiting when I worked for big organizations was campus recruitment. I did not like it, Shelly. I dreaded it. It was one of the worst things I had to do in recruitment. But I know I'm not the example here because everyone feels the opposite. Every recruiter I've ever talked to, their favorite thing to do is campus recruitment. So I agree. I think you should start early so you're ahead of the game. But there's a ton more you can do in campus recruitment, right? I think this is where connections make sense. You should always be looking at who that top talent is and building those relationships early in their university studies. But love it. Start recruiting. Shelly. can we jump into the recruiting insights?
1: Okay. Your friend and mine, an article from the HCM Technology Report, the headline again. Okay, so this is what grabbed me is that employers say that hiring will change, but they just don't know how. Okay, certainly, that's part of our recipe here on the recruitment flex is to talk about what's the crystal ball? How do we see this affecting the industry? So as I read on, I wanted to highlight a couple of the things. Interestingly, just 5% of employers are actually using AI in any way in recruitment right now, where certainly our impression of the impact that ChatGPT or generative AI was going to have on our industry, yet true to form, HR is rather slow to take up new technology. So for me, it wasn't that recruitment was gonna change, it's what didn't change. Yeah, We were so excited and so optimistic of how this is going to improve. It hasn't really taken hold. So I thought that was interesting. The other was the Gartner HR survey that reported, again, this whole phenomenon around candidate ghosting. This study proved out that it's not just you, it's not just me, that in over the last 12 months, half of the candidates have accepted a job offer and then backed out before starting. So I think that is the change that we were expecting might go away, because it was more of a job seekers market. Now it's shifted. And we thought we would see that go away. It has not. And so they surveyed 3,500 candidates in May of 2023. And it proved out that 50% of them accepted a job in the last 12 months and then backed out prior to starting. They kept on the recruitment process. So we see job seekers applying to more jobs to start with. They'll take the first one that comes, but they'll keep looking. That's a big change in candidate behavior. Can I get your thoughts?
0: Yeah, that's absolutely crazy. I want to talk about that. Then I want to go through some of the other key data points from this article. I don't believe that. We're not talking about that They didn't show up to an interview or they didn't follow up to an interview. What it says here, 50% of respondents accepted a job offer over a 12-month period, but backed out prior to start. I had to reread that because I, I don't believe it. I have never seen that. I think it's happened three times in my career that people have backed out from an offer So, there is definitely something going on there. I think we need to look a little bit deeper in this particular one. But some of the key data points that came to me that I thought was interesting when they were talking to talent leaders 63% find unqualified applicants a major challenge, while 43% worry about attracting too few candidates. This is a major issue right now. The message that Even if you feel you're not qualified, apply for the job. I think it's a message that career coaches have been giving for a long time, and it's not the right message because it muddies the water. And it's frustrating for us. Going through resumes, and 90% are not even close to being qualified to the role. And I don't buy that bullshit that 99% is on attitude and 1% is on skill. No, I need you to know how to do the job on day one. Hence the reason why I'm hiring externally. If I wanted to train someone that didn't know how to do the job, I would do it with someone internally. That's just my mm-hmm. opinion on mm-hmm. it. But unqualified candidates is a major issue that we're coming across right now. And you mentioned the 5% of employers are using AI and recruiting. And most often it's tasks like job description, writing, or even resume screening. The flip side... And I'm surprised by this. Only 3% of job seekers are leveraging AI tools to apply for jobs in either helping them write their resume, cover letters, or using some type of system to mass apply for multiple jobs. I think with anything like this, we have to take in consideration there's going to be some moving parts. There's probably more job seekers than 3% that are using AI tools to help them with their resume. If you're not leveraging the technology that is available to you... Not the brightest move. That's my take on it.
1: Yes. Any survey that involves candidates, we need to step back for a second and go, how often in your life are you a candidate, right? What I appreciated was that this was recent and it was newly hired employees and a good sample size. This is a behavior that I think as recruiters, we really need to get our heads around. And Gartner's a pretty reliable organization, right? Yeah. And this is fairly recent. This is May of 2023, where job seekers said that 47% of them said they're still open to other job offers after accepting a position. 42% believe they could find a better job if they continued looking. That holds true for me. Most people will take the first offer, bird in a hand. That's what I think is the biggest change that employers didn't see coming and still are in denial. So, when the article talked about what's going to change, this is the change that I would point
0: to. You know what? I'm glad you called that out because I almost completely missed that part and such an important part for us, talent acquisition people, HR. Mm -hmm. when they're accepting that offer what are we doing to make sure that they're starting that first day how involved are we getting this is where onboarding has become probably one of the top priorities in our space like companies Mm -hmm. that can onboard correctly and keep their candidates engaged throughout the process through day one and after that is going to be the winner in my opinion Shelly this feels a little bit like an episode we could have done in 2009 if we had a podcast (laughs) in 2009. First of all, we talked about career builder and launching a paper resume. What I want to bring up is the cover letter. And we haven't talked a lot about the cover letter, but there was a recent article that had some pretty interesting information. Let me give you a couple of key points. So a well-crafted job description is still crucial for attracting top Applicants, but the phrase applications without a cover letter will not be considered can deter candidates. We know that because I know from data that I have that anyone asking for a cover letter, their application rate is. At least a 100% less. We're not talking about a little number. We're talking about a big number here. Reading this article, it was really interesting to me because I don't know how the cover letter even started. Like, when was this a thing? And I guess it dates back to a 1956 New York Times posting for the paint company, Dutch Boy Paint. Then it's gained popularity. But you got to think about how we used to do applications. We used to either mail it, drop off the resume or fax it. Online platforms have really changed the process of how we apply for jobs, even to this day, like the quickest you can get through the applications, the more applications you will get. I'm not saying that is the best way, but I'll give you my opinion on cover letters. I don't read cover letters. I see absolutely no value in cover letters because I feel like they're boilerplate and they're just changing some keywords. And even now in the days of chat GPT, they become even less relevant to me. I just care. Can you do the job? And what I find in your resume is going to tell me some key elements. Cover letter gives me none of that, but. I guess the data here shows that it's a recent LinkedIn surveys that 44% view cover letters as obsolete, while 43% consider them still relevant. I'm going to give you who is that 43% and it doesn't say on the survey, but these are all the career coaches on LinkedIn that went in that survey and said they're still relevant because I haven't talked to many talent acquisition folks that think they are there is hiring managers that still think the cover letter is a value. And I think it's just because they don't know better. When they're reading it, it's not telling them anything different that their resume wouldn't. Shelley, thoughts here?
1: I didn't realize that the origins of the cover letter goes back to 1956. The only thing I would maybe Where you were say- born, right? No, Serge wasn't. (laughs) I'm not that old. The only thing I would dial back on here, Serge, going back to the beginning here of how we used to traditionally accept resumes, you're right, it was a drop off, then fax machines, and so on and so forth. And what's interesting is, I believe with applicant tracking systems, all it really did was take what was on paper and automate those fields. That's what it originally was. Like when I think back to the beginning applicant tracking systems, there was nothing innovative other than fill in the form online, which I think is probably the saddest commentary on our industry is that we still do it. We still want you to fill in this form. Even though you have a resume, we're going to force you to fill in these fields, which has proven to be the most detrimental thing you can do. If you really want to attract people who are interested in your job and in your company, but they're not willing to endure a ridiculous, outdated process. So, is the cover letter also an outdated gesture? The only people who defend it are, like you said, career coaches or others who argue their historical importance. Are you kidding me? (laughs) My personal opinion on cover letters is when I have read one that I know somebody truly put some effort into. If nothing else, I did move them into the consideration pile. Doesn't mean they ended up being interviewed, but it did make a difference, especially if you were hiring for something that got a lot of response to it. I think it should be optional though. To ever say that your application won't be considered if you don't include a cover letter is ridiculous. Similar to Anybody who says, if I see spelling mistakes on somebody's resume, I just exclude them immediately. Like said, every HR person ever, spelling mistakes, you're eliminated. That just goes to prove that you're not a recruiter. Because a recruiter would never say that. Nor would a recruiter ever say that you'll be eliminated from consideration if you don't put in a cover letter. I believe this is HR people trying to be recruiters.
0: And they're not. On that note, Shelly, we will be talking about cover letters when we record our 920th episode in <laughs> 2029. It will still be a topic, I guarantee you. I know. I know. I think you're right. So Shelly, we got events coming up. We do. So, so excited.
1: Yes. yes. God. I know we've been promoting Recfast since they announced it was coming. But let me tell you, This is a whole different level of conference. And anyone who thinks you can't have fun and learn something is going to miss out. Like some of the things that we know are coming up on the Disrupt Stage, which we will be, we're not co-host, we're (laughs) multi-hosting. We are multi-hosting Disrupt Stage on day one. But we're starting to get a sneak peek at what's coming on stage. Like, honest to God, you cannot miss this. This is going to be the talk of the TA world for a long time. This is better than anything that happened at WreckFest UK. I'm not kidding. You've got to come, and you've got to come to the disrupt stage.
0: Yes. WreckFest September 13 and 14 as well. We'll plug a couple of parties that we're going to. So we're going to the... Tin Roof Rusted Party on September 12th from 7 to 9 p.m. And this is sponsored by our friends at Plum and Erin. And Chad and Cheese is presenting it. I have another Chad and Cheese event. Jeez, these guys are all over the place. We we need to have some events we will. next year, right? Yeah. So yeah, we, we are going on a boat cruise It's called A Naughty Adventure. You get it? You get the place? Nautical Adventure. Nautical. I'm very excited because they're going to be serving Hattie B's chicken and Tennessee's favorite, Jack Daniel's, which we should maybe go to the Jack Daniel's distillery, which is around an hour or two hours away from Nashville itself. I'm very excited about trying Hattie B's hot chicken. I think it's going to be amazing. Then we have our friend Leah Sobering hosting Disrupt HR Halifax with Higher Value, your company being the premier sponsor. So if you are in Atlantic Canada, we still have a few tickets left. September 13 is going to be a great time. So check out Mm DisruptHR.co slash Halifax or go check out DisruptHR Halifax on LinkedIn and all the details to get tickets are there. Last but not least, we're very excited about this. We will be at HR Tech and we will be broadcasting for two days at the Plum Boot. Our friends at Plum are very gracious in hosting us, and we've got some special things coming there as well. Anyone that's listening, please don't hesitate to come and meet us because we would love to meet you, and we appreciate you listening.
1: Absolutely. On that note, thank you, Search, and au revoir.
0: Au revoir. Shelly, let's face it.
1: Visit www.rectxt.com, mention the recruitment flex, and get 10% off annual plans. Welcome, change agents, to your go to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit